Hello and welcome back to a very special episode of the Primal Podcast. Today's guest is Mr. Mark Tobin, a coach and owner of Strive Coaching. And Mark is with me today specifically to raise awareness for an incredible challenge he'll be completing in August of this year. Mark's fiance Lisa was diagnosed at the age of 10 with an inflammatory bowel disease called Crohn's disease. Now I know what this disease is, but I don't know anyone personally who has it. So I didn't have a full understanding of what it's like to actually live with. And Mark did just a brilliant job of breaking down what life looks like for people who suffer with the condition, not just from a symptom point of view, but also all of the struggles that they can face socially with the stigma, embarrassment and sense of isolation that can surround the people who suffer. And the reason we're releasing this episode today is that in a couple of weeks, on August 14th, 2021, Mark is going to run 174 kilometers across the mountains to raise awareness and funding for the ISCC, the Irish Society for Colitis and Crohn's Disease, in an event that he's calling Walk a Mile in My Shoes. Just an incredible thing to do. This is a brilliant episode. It taught me a lot about Crohn's disease. And if you're able to, Mark and Lisa would really appreciate any support that you can give for this event. The link that you'll need is in our bio on Instagram, and it'll also be attached to the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it with Mr. Mark Tobin. Welcome to our shared journey to find the answers to questions about health, wellness, nutrition, performance, life, and success and to craft the most resilient, hardy, and happy humans you've ever seen. Welcome to the Primal Podcast. Mr. Mark Tobin. How are you, Dan? I'm very good, thank you. Welcome. Well, two welcomes, right? So, welcome, number one, to the Primal Podcast. Thanks very much for, for coming on as a guest. Um, and just so people know, it's a slightly special episode we're doing today. We're, we're, we're raising awareness here with this episode today. But also, welcome as a Primal client, as a Primal Podcaster. Thanks Mark, Mark is joining the clan. He's, uh, he's He will have, maybe, by the time this goes out, we might have launched the first episode. I'm not quite sure yet. Um, but Mark has joined the podcasting family as well. So, uh, congratulations. Appreciate it. And actually, sorry, third welcome. Welcome to fatherhood. <laughs> congratulations. Um, so... For uh, for people who are listening to this episode, the reason I say it's a slightly different and slightly special episode is we are going to be focusing on one particular subject, which is Crohn's disease. It is. Um, which is something that you obviously have a lot of personal experience with. Yeah. Um, and the whole point here really is to kind of give people an idea of what is Crohn's, if they're not familiar. But more importantly, which we discussed just before we turned the mics on here, is what's it like to have this as part of your life? Because... Um, I find sometimes that many people know what all these different conditions and illnesses and diseases and things are, but until it touches someone close to them, it doesn't really make sense. So when they hear about raising awareness and events and stuff like that, it doesn't really kind of click in their brain. And I'm saying this as a person who this happens to me as well. Yeah. Sometimes unless I know someone who has something, I'm like, oh, it doesn't really, it's not related. It's not really related. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that the whole point here is to try and try and kind of paint a picture for people from somebody who has a lot of experience. Um, so would you mind giving us, first of all, just a little bit of background on yourself? Because you are in this industry yeah. anyway in health and wellness. Um, and then maybe we can go into discussing Crohn's itself and, and, and shine a bit of light on that. Yeah, so currently I am an online coach, okay, which is uh, the aim for me and my business is to keep people to stay strong, live long. Like um, that. And that's through nutrition, exercise, healthy habits, and just being happy in their lives, all right, that they have the strength and ability to play with kids, play with grandkids, and then just go off and do whatever they like to do, whether it's walking mountains, fishing, anything at all. 
so that's pretty much me in a nutshell and what I do for a living. Um, and obviously a passion then outside of that is a lot of long endurance events, which we will touch on. Why is this so common nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> Ever makes me feel so unfit and unworthy when they come in here with their, yeah, I just ran, ran 40 miles there this morning, <laughs> or 400 miles in some cases. Yeah. Um, well, the, it takes a lot of work. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's years in the making, so... Okay, yeah, yeah. And obviously, with your, your, your coaching service, you cover all aspects of lifestyle. Yeah, so I deal with the general population. So okay. every just normal Joe Sober um, that is looking to lose a bit of weight, as I said, get fit or get strong or just feel better in themselves because people don't like the, the way they look. Um, it's the popular one, but just not functioning normally is like you should be just feeling good in yourself. And being able to do normal things, walking up and down the stairs, endure seven or eight hour shift in work, which a lot of people can't do anymore. Um, and just getting them back to being a decent, feeling good in themselves human. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, I'm going to go, I'm already going to go <laughs> off topic here now because you said something there. I, and I actually just spoke to, um, to Andy Myers about this as well. And I've spoken to Neil O'Keefe about this too. And you said look good. And this is something I often talk to people about because sometimes it gets a bad rap. Yeah. This is what I said with Neil and with Andy as well. And um, people are kind of nowadays with the Instagram culture, we've, we've kind of taken a spin about being a little bit kind of, oh, you, you can't talk to people about trying to look good because yeah, that's yeah. you have to be body positive and you can look whatever way you want. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's fair. You can be proud of whatever way you look. There's no problem with that. But there's also no problem with somebody wanting to look good. And I think that most people want to look good. And Absolutely. there's no problem with that. Um, what 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 do you what kind of look good comments when people come into you is, is did it literally say I want to change how I look? So majority will be like I want to lose weight okay. um, and I want to just look better in myself. And with that, like a lot of people, as you just touched on there, they won't be coming to me for aesthetics like bodybuilding competitions or like photo shoot preps it's okay. just to lose that initial couple of kilos or couple of pounds to look when they see themselves in the mirror and i always say it to people when you get out of a shower and you look at yourself or look at yourself in the mirror naked are you happy with who's looking back at you and nine times out of ten you'll be told no so it's just getting people to then look at themselves in the mirror and be like oh yeah actually i'm improving or i'm starting to like who's looking back at me now why do you think that's important to people? Because it's uh, self-confidence. People lack that self-confidence. And it doesn't, I don't come at it from a pace of, if you don't, if you're not confident in your body or your body's out of shape, that you lack confidence. So for people to see themselves a little bit slimmer, it automatically just clicks on and it switches in their brain that, oh, now I look good. And just they approach life in a different light. Yeah. Um, and they just approach daily things in a completely different mindset. And it, from there, eating becomes that little bit easier. Exercise comes that little bit okay. easier because it, they can then see the ripple effect of the effects it's having on their body. I love it. Okay. Yeah. And I promise we'll get back onto the topic now in one <laughs> second. But I just want to ba back up what you said there because obviously I think I made health study before I worked in hair restoration industry, ironically enough, for, <laughs> uh, for 10 years with, with Dr. Van Eden. And... One of the most common things I saw was men, usually. Now, there was a lot of women coming in too, but men would come in with hair loss. And they one of the very, very kind of common themes or things that they would say is that their relationships broke down. Marriages, they can't get a girlfriend, can't get a boyfriend, whatever it might be. And it was always because of my hair. But it actually wasn't because of their hair. Because when they went through whatever process they went through and they managed to regrow hair or come to terms with the hair loss, whatever it was, 
it didn't really change. Their appearance doesn't change that much, but their sense of confidence changed. So I started to kind of do an unofficial survey with a bunch of women who came in asking them, nothing to do with, with their hair loss or anything like that, but just women I would see in general, women who came into the clinic, women who I knew in my life. I was like, is hair that important in terms of choosing a partner or is it, is it really what makes a difference? And everyone was, not, no. Oh. Now, personal preference, maybe maybe 10% of women were like, yeah, he needs to have banging hair. <laughs> but most women were like, not at all. I don't really care, actually, yeah. to be honest with you. Just like this big muscle thing. Like most women are like, yeah, some women like it, which is fine, but most women like, I don't really care. It was the confidence of the person they were talking to. And these men that I met in particular, when they were losing their hair, completely lost their confidence. Yeah. So it was nothing to do with their hair loss. So just like with their with, with, with the body image and mm-hmm. people wanting to look better, it's actually not trying to look better so someone else thinks I'm mm-hmm. class. You feel better in yourself. Absolutely. Okay. So, yeah. But it was just interesting to hear you. Yeah, it's yeah. great that we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're aligned there. Yeah. But what you also said there was you help people to try and live their lives yeah so i'm a big believer in this about a bit like be, becoming fit and healthy and strong and looking good and all this kind of stuff for me allows me to live my life better because every day i can play with my children or i can exactly. walk up and down the stairs or whatever it is now segue back to our original topic <laughs> coming back to crohn's disease yeah obviously somebody who has a disadvantage like a condition like this can't live their life as easy as the rest of us. And again, this is some, something I sometimes touch on as well, is that it's very easy for me to sit here and talk and t- talk to you about all the great things we can do and talk to all these wonderful guests I have on about all the wonderful things that I can do because I'm lucky enough not to have any underlying conditions yeah. and I can do all these things. But there are people, many, many people with many different conditions, Crohn's being one of them, that can't actually do a lot of the things that I can do. So maybe to start us off, can you give us a bit of a... A kind of a, an outline on Crohn's and what exactly it involves. Yeah, so Crohn's disease, Dan, is an IBD, and that's an irritable bowel disease. Um, and its main effects is kind of from the throat to the rectum, so the whole gastrointestinal tract. Um, and what it is basically is just the body is unable to digest food properly. Okay, so like ourselves, if you eat an apple, okay, or popcorn, okay, because it's probably a big trigger for a lot of people with Crohn's. Yeah, like the nuts and seeds and stuff okay. like that. Um, when you eat it, you'll go down the full digestive system and it'll come out pretty much um, close enough to the same way you eat it. Okay. But with people that have Crohn's and stuff, they can get strictures and narrowings in the small intestine, their large intestine. A lot of people struggle with their small intestine. Um, in Lisa's case, is completely different. It was her large intestine. Lisa's your partner. Just Lisa, for sorry, yeah, is my partner. And it was her large intestine that was severely diseased um, with polyps and strictures and arrowroots okay. and stuff. So say if you ate that little bit of popcorn or uh, an almond and you didn't chew that to like an inch of its life, that then can go down into the large intestine and there be a little narrowing. So if you imagine, I don't know, a toilet roll holder and you put half of that, say, half a golf ball in the middle of that toilet roll okay. holder, when you try to eat and that almond goes through, you're then going to feel pain because it hasn't got the full toilet roll holder and now only has half of the size of the toilet roll holder in order to try to push its way through. So you have a massive narrowing. So you have there. a massive, massive narrowing and that then gives the severe abdominal pain along with like the common symptoms of severe diarrhea um, vomiting malnutrition fatigue levels and massive one um, and then the pain that the, these people go through okay okay is this something you're born with or something you develop um, there's they don't know but in Lisa's case again she 
was diagnosed at the age of 10, okay. um, which she thinks her mom and herself, she was struggling from the age of six or seven at least. So I think over time, as an autoimmune disease, it was probably developed, but they're still unsure of was it there underlying and then just came to the surface in the later years. Okay, okay. And in terms of this affecting <laughs> quality of life, obviously the first place to start is things you can eat. Yeah. Uh, there's probably many things, many things you can't eat. Yeah. Now, with Crohn's, obviously, everybody's case is different. Yeah. Um, so you'll probably hear me pull it back to Lisa's case because um, although I've known a good few people with it, um, I've lived with her for the last 10 years. Okay. So with Lisa, we, in the early days of going out and stuff together, we would never rice. We could never go out for a takeaway. Okay. Um, so you go out for a meal with your partner and stuff like that we would always have to pick and choose where we'd go. So with that, Lisa was always, since the age of 10, pretty a plain, plain eater. So chicken, some veg. Some veg is a trigger food. Um, off the top of my head, if we're thinking the likes of bro uh, broccoli being fi uh, fibrous. So they struggle with a lot of fiber. Okay. Um, so pretty much she was a plain eater. So... Pizzas, couldn't digest pizzas, couldn't digest um, rices or anything of the sorts. Uh, citrusy foods would cause a lot of acid reflux. Um, Lisa also had no gallbladder, so that doesn't help. Oh, God, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it just it affects a lot of people in a different way. As I said, popcorn. So if you went to the cinema, you weren't getting your popcorns and a drink to sit there and chill. You would have you probably just bring a drink and a bit of chocolate to just yeah. go in and chill out. But yeah, there's a lot of foods. I could probably sit here and list them off so I won't get into the depths of it. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, but pretty much it's just if you pull it back to kind of trying to go out for a meal. If you think yourself and your partner are going to go out, we go to a Nando's or we go to an Indian or whatever it is, just have that full reign where myself and Lisa were like, okay, can't go here because this is on the menu. Can't go here because I can't eat this or that and that. So literally, what was the point of going out? Yeah. Because you'd be going out to literally ask the restaurant, can I have this without X, Y, and Z? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apart from the food thing, obviously, say you identified every food that was a trigger food, got rid of all those things. That's not, you're not done then? No, you're not. Yeah, no. there's a lot more. There's a lot more to okay. it. Yeah. Um, and with, like, the foods stripped aside, we when we would go out so say if we went to the cinema and just as we eventually i was quite ignorant i won't lie to the fact what crohn's was in the early days and i was always questioning why can't you do this yeah like what's the actual effect that you can't go for a long walk or we can't go for a walk around the hills or um and it took me a good few years i won't lie to come around and realize about this disease and constantly seeing lisa change on a daily basis of the fatigue levels okay and um, planning was a massive one so when we decided to as i said to go to the cinema we would have to know where toilets were within of like a two minute radius okay because at the drop of a hat depending on how bad your crohn's is at one time you're going to need to go to the toilet because you suffer so bad with diarrhea okay um and a lot of people because they spend so many years trying to hold these things in in certain situations if they're out or they're constantly, their muscles then begin to break down so their holding power doesn't oh, really right, hold. Okay. So if yourself or I need to go to the toilet, we could probably hold it out for a good while. Yeah. 
you spend five years doing that constantly, your muscles then will begin to weaken okay. and then they don't have that holding power. So you will have to know in a restaurant, can I use this toilet? They have um, cards now. So if you suffer with Crohn's, you have a card. A lot of places still won't believe they don't know what this little card is that I need to use this toilet. Oh, and really? you will be refused. Yeah. So many um, poor young girls have been refused and you know what's going to happen if you're refused to go to the toilet and you have diarrhea, you have no other option. You don't have that holding power to hold it yeah. in. So you're going to end up going your trousers. Um, so planning is massive, realizing where the toilets are um, um, just in order to know that she's comfortable because with that is anxiety. If you are out somewhere that you know you've no toilet, anxiety is through the roof that you've like I can only imagine as probably yourself when your somewhat stomach is upset and you go oh oh we're yeah. out and I need to go to the toilet your levels of stress are heightened massively roof, yeah. so to deal with that mm-hmm. on a daily basis is quite like bad yeah um but yeah planning fatigue then like so if you're constantly stressed constantly looking for toilets constantly on the go you're fatigued as like you or I would be if we're constantly in a level of stress. So fatigue levels is a massive one for Lisa. Okay, so over the years, I would see her if we stayed over in the younger years um, and to be on the couch and you could see kind of how tired she was. You now you tell people how tired everybody is. Yeah. And physically not able to get up off the couch and I'd be like, do you want to go for a walk or do you want to, and be like, I physically cannot move my head off the armchair of this couch. And over time, it's just like, I don't get how this is happening. Yeah. But if you pull it back to not being able to eat certain foods because of malnutrition, they do not absorb nutrients the same way you or I would. So this all is just part and parcel of all coming back. And I think the one of the biggest things is diarrhea and the fatigue levels. Okay. Um, and just fatigue in itself, not not only me, pull me out of this for a minute, um, for Lisa herself, to have somewhat decent quality of life you and I can go out with friends where Lisa gets a bad day you're not moving off that couch yeah you and I can get up and go to work you can go for a few points after your work and still get up the next day like drink doesn't even come into a lot of people's crown like uh, people that have crowns will not drink because of what it can do to them but not only that, they just can't function on a day to day basis a seven to eight hour shift you're wiped out good luck um, and over the years, watching Lisa try, like she went to college, um, has worked so many jobs, doing what she wanted to do, but then again, can't really fulfill where she wants to be because it's like, I do three days, three eight hour shifts. On that fourth day, I'm bed bound. Wiped, yeah. Yeah, gone. And so that was one of the hardest things to kind of witness over the years. Um, as I said, away from us as a couple, um, to see her not wanting to thrive and do so much with her own life, not having the ability to do so. And this is all coming back to the Crohn's. Yeah, and I, to be honest with you, it's one of the main reasons I wanted to speak about this as well is because with conditions like this that aren't, I won't say not life-threatening because they do change your life. And, and I don't know, are there cases? Yeah, some people can stuff? die, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, so it is a life-threatening disease, yeah. but it's not something that you hear about very regularly in terms of, the ratio of people that it affects, we have no idea as people who, who aren't directly touching that, how many people are actually struggling with this. And the biggest kind of takeaway that I get from this is that level of anxiety, 
that nobody you mentioned the card and actually if you wouldn't mind if you send me a picture of that card I'll yeah. put it up on, on, on the, the, the profile and on the show notes and stuff like that as well just so people can kind of get familiar with what this looks like um, but not not being aware of how much stress and anxiety this can cause a person um, and when you hear it's like anything when you hear about oh it's irritable bowel people yeah. think like I've had a bad curry and I don't feel great the yeah. next day and that's what these people are suffering with but it's it's everything you've described there it's debilitating that yeah. is a debilitating condition you can't live your life and like that that kind of fatigue and an inability to do what we would regard as pretty normal activities exactly that's crippling that's yeah. absolutely crippling so it's why I think gaining an understanding of something like that and having to put in perspective of an actual real life person here is very very valuable for people to understand um, in terms of treatment and stuff like that, how is this managed? So the main things for Crohn's is uh, immune suppressing drugs, um, the likes of Humira injections, okay. um, which come with their own which challenges. Which come with their own challenges. Self, if you go into a massive flare-up, the first thing you're going to be hit with is a dose of steroids. Okay, and that in its effect then will you will gain weight, your body will change, your face shape will change. That itself causes more anxiety, yeah. more confidence issues as well for people because it's like I'm on these dose of steroids and now all of a sudden I look like a beached whale. And that's the approach that people with Crohn's will see because that's all they see themselves. But a lot of immune suppressant drugs, um, Lisa was on Humira, she was on Infliximab, um, and Flixman, I don't think didn't work. Humira worked for a short amount of time, and then it was surgery to remove oh, well. the disease affected okay. um, areas. So, for years, the her surgeon and her consulted in James's were kind of just they allow not to put it across in a bad way, but they will try each immune suppressant drug until they're left with no other option. Okay, and it got to a stage where Lisa's like, I'm sick of trying. I'm not a guinea pig. I don't want to keep trying new drugs that might be coming out. I need an option to be able to go live my life. And some uh, immune suppressant drugs aren't working for me currently. So what is the next option? And for some people, like it was a brave thing to do to go in and sit in front of your consultant and just come across them, tell them no. Like, yeah. yes, people will say, oh, I'm not doing that. But when push comes to shove, they're not, the consultant will normally win. Yeah. But it got to a stage where her consultant seen her as a human being, not being able to live her life. And that, I think, was a switch in him because normally it's just, you know, if you're sitting in a, as you would know, in a healthcare um, setting, it's just, it's a conveyor belt. Yeah. It's one in, one out, one in, one out. So for him to take that switch and, like, take his professional hat off for a minute and see Lisa as a human was a massive switch. And that then was the, like, changing point for Lisa and herself and that I think will start back 2017 and 2018 okay, okay. Um, so that then was the start of surgeries for Lisa now she had little bits and bobs throughout her life as I said like her gallbladder and stuff so Lisa's as I touched on earlier on was her large intestine and her rectum so she actually had perianal disease as well so that affects the rectum canal so you imagine you have severe diarrhea and you have your rectum canal diseased the pain that's going to cause anybody is just wow. going to be horrible along like you go to the, you have a dodgy curry as you said yeah of course um, you're like you're going to be in some pain for the next day or so yeah. anyway or you get sick your diarrhea you're sore so to have a diseased part of bell coming right there is like it's oh, yeah it's horrible um, so yeah disease are 
they made the decision back in 2018 to have a first part of a surgery to give Lisa an ileostomy or stoma. So that oh, yeah. was to remove part of her large intestine, the most diseased part at that time. Um, and what the surgeons do is remove the most diseased part and they pull part of that large intestine out. So what would seem healthy. So now she would not be going to to the toilet like a normal person. She would now have an ileostomy, which is part of that large intestine that's pulled through the skin at the side of the belly button area, depending okay. on where uh, the surgeon decides the healthiest. And from there, they then go to the toilet into a, a stoma bag, okay. pretty much. Um, so that was back in 2018. And for a good six months or whatever, because it's a massive surgery, you're spending six months recovering. Wow. Yeah. So again, it's back to... Like you're holding a pillow over your like in order to sit up or move, it's baby steps. You're like rolling out of bed. So you imagine you've an abdominal surgery, you're holding a pillow across your belly button. You have to get up onto your side. It's one leg at a time, it's the second leg, and then it's you know, just it's slow, slow process. Um, the fatigue levels then on top of already what you would suffer coming out of a surgery with fatigue. <laughs> um it's just going to add that little bit more on top of that. But again, I always say like people with Crohn's and witnessing Lisa over the years, like these people are warriors. Yeah. Like they are so strong and they don't realize it in themselves. They think oh, like it's just what we we deal with. Like but for you and I to sit there and watch somebody over the like they deal with so, so much to get, get up. And as you said, do normal things that we just take for granted and just go to work, go to the toilet, go up and down the stairs. Yeah. Um. But sorry, to pull it back to the surgeries, within those six months they were recovering, um, she then began to get a bit of quality of life and it was a good sign. So for the next six months after the decent bit of recovery was done, we could then go and go for walks. Might not be well, uh, long, but we didn't have to plan a route now that we needed a toilet Okay. Because she was now going into her stomach bag. So that in itself was like, oh, I have now somewhat of a normal lifestyle. Still was suffering with fatigue, still abdominal pains because there was still the perianal disease in there. Um, if that's left in for too long, the chances of cancer and everything else coming. Okay. So at the back of her head, she always knew she was going to be facing some sort of surgery, whether it was being reattached or the whole large intestine and the rectum canal coming out. So you can imagine I'm getting some quality of life, but still at the back of her mind is like, will I be facing this massive surgery, which Lisa always thought was the worst case scenario growing up. And uh, the more people I speak to from doing, doing this um, awareness thing, like they still see surgery as worst case scenario when it has been the complete opposite nearly for Lisa. Um, so as time goes, went on the 12 months or so, uh, Lisa went back into James's as it, like, she would always be getting iron, um, infusions and stuff. So your second home is nearly in the hospital. So we went into the consultant and he put it to her in 2019 and I think it was November or so. Or, yeah, it was November 2019, I think, and she was faced with the decision to get the full surgery. Her perianal disease was just gone too bad, um, and he was just pretty much straight out and said the best option is to kind of... He said the choice is yours, but 
you know, the best option for you in order to have some quality of life um, is to get the full surgery. So the full surgery was her full large intestine and her rectum canal come out. Wow. Yeah. So you can imagine that in itself is a That's massive, huge. massive surgery. So I think it was like she had a great team and James is still does is still under them. Um, in the January, they were both January surgeries. In that January, she was in, um, I think she was in surgery for the guts of six and seven hours to get her large intestine and rectum canal to get all that disease bowel out and touch wood. Thankfully, her still, her small intestine is good and healthy and in good condition. Okay. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know the scale of yeah. of, of the story. Um, yeah, it's it's incredible, really, to, to think about. It. And how is she now? Good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she's good. We're both in a great place, as you said, because yeah. we have hit parenthood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and was that an issue? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, once that surgery had happened again, it was. 12 months this time of healing um, and Lisa 12 months of healing yeah we knew that we'd want the family and it was another kind of marker for Lisa to say yeah to do surgery because it probably wouldn't have been possible if she didn't take that plunge and get the full surgery okay. to go ahead and have a family with the effects that was going on inside her body yeah yeah so it again it comes back to that warrior of you're deciding to have part of your like small intestine now was swapped up when the large came out decide to be left with part of your intestine out decide your stomach for a young woman um, and have that the rest of your body like or the rest of your life with your body looking like that um, to then like decide that because you want the family and stuff like that it just it's isn't it, that insane? Yeah. I'm actually sitting here in sh it, just thinking <laughs> about this because you told me all this before. You yeah. didn't me everything, but I was th thinking about actually the process, the process you go through. Yeah. And like, I have two children now as well. And my partner, Jill, I know she's a warrior and she, she we're lucky enough that we didn't have any underlying conditions. Hmm. And to have a child for a woman is an incredibly draining thing on your body when you're healthy. Yeah. Uh, to be able to do that less than a year, well, a year, Give or take after after yeah, so we we're about, absolutely massive surgery. Yeah, yeah. So got the recovery done, and then kind of pretty soon after that, she fell pregnant. So that is it's a telltale incredible. sign if she didn't go for that surgery that we probably wouldn't have had our little baby today. Hello there. Just a quick reminder that today's episode is being released specifically to raise awareness and funding for the ISCC, the Irish Society for Colitis and Crohn's Disease, and Mark's 174km mountain run that he's calling Walk a Mile in My Shoes. The link to support this event will be in the Primal Instagram bio at Primal Pro, P-O-Y-M-A-L-P-R-O, for the next two weeks, and will also be attached in the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast. So if you can help, Mark and his fiancée Lisa will be so grateful for any support that you can give. Enjoy the rest of the episode. That, that is insane, man. I'm, yeah. Well, I'm absolutely <laughs> delighted for you, but it's an incredible story. Yeah. Um, are there people, because this, obviously now, Lisa is... There's no getting there's no getting rid of Crohn's no, disease. You no. live with this, and she obviously made decisions based on the, the several different avenues of treatment. She's gone down the surgery route. It seems to be looking quite good. You have a family now. So in terms of relative to your lives, things are definitely improving compared to not having had any treatment at the start and dealing with this condition. Oh, massively, yeah. 
what 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 does the landscape for people suffering this disease look like out there? Is there a, a range of people who just never have any type of treatment? They don't know they have because I'm assuming this is this is on a scale. Like some people have mild versions, some people have very severe versions mm, yeah. of the same condition. Yeah. And um, what what is the community like out there around? Crohn's um, disease? it's still grown. I think. Okay. Um, judging from when Lisa was diagnosed, Crohn's was something that men in their thirties would get not a 10 year old oh. girl um, so very, there was yeah very specific yeah so when she was sitting in hospital lot, like wondering why she was getting all these pains and again it comes back to oh we'll try tests for this okay it's always the last thing they'll test okay. for okay okay um, because a 10 year old girl couldn't be suffering with something that usually men in their 30s or whatever would so be so they're getting. querying all sorts yeah. of other issues Everything and appendix else. and polycystic yeah. ovaries and all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah okay um, so from People, as you said, like it's one, it's like level one to level 10. People have so like severe, severe cases of it. Um, the community has grown and grown as like I've realized through doing this awareness kind of campaign and the event that it's still not on the scale of, now I know cancer is different, but you know the how the awareness and the like Absolutely, community yeah. that people so there's still people being diagnosed there's people being diagnosed in their 40s there's still young women and there's just that sense of oh shit okay it's like what do I do where do I go it's still yes you've been told you have this disease an incurable disease and you're going to face the rest of your life so I can only imagine being told that yeah um, by a doctor but um the community has grown, the more awareness and the more to make it seem like it's okay to speak about this disease because it's not a defect that when you look at somebody and you, their eye has gone out of their head, yeah. that you can see that is a disability in itself because they've one eye. This is internal. So when you look and someone's all joyful and happy and but inside they're caving and yeah. they're like, it's just debilitating. Um, that in itself, like people just don't realize it's yeah. like it's a hidden disease. It's a hidden illness. Um, but yeah, just to go off back to your point of. No, that's, the it's, community, that's it's very yeah. important because, again, it's yeah. why we're, we're having this conversation is to try and shed a bit of light, not shed light on Crohn's disease, but ex kind of explain to people that this is really, really common. It does exist. And just because, like you said, no one's, someone's not missing an arm or something like yeah. that, it's it kind of reinforces to you again to be just consider what people might be going through yeah and um, because we're not all like everyone has stuff and it's re everything everybody's thing is relative to that person whether it be cancer or a Crohn's disease or depression or you just don't feel whatever it is yeah. it's relative to that person but it kind of does reinforce this uh really important fact that we need to support each other as a community even if we're not directly touched by something like this because it's it's going on everywhere with everything yeah. and i know with, with particularly with this a lot of the stuff we're talking about nowadays it's a lot of mental health mental, stuff yeah obviously yeah. but like nothing exists in isolation and somebody like like lisa suffering with this kind of condition there's massive mental health implications yeah. there as well because you're not feeling good all the time you're debilitated you can't live the life you want to live yeah. Um, but on that point as well, and I I know you're okay with this because I asked you before beforehand, <laughs> but in terms of being, having somebody you love yeah. in that kind of position, your, your partner, um, you mentioned something very interesting there at the start where you found it kind of frustrating or difficult yeah. to understand. And I would imagine part of that was maybe Lisa's own kind of hiding it herself and a, a level of embarrassment and mm. lack of understanding, which is completely understandable. Um, but what's it like from, from your point of view? Now, 
I, I know for a fact that a lot of people feel dif- it's difficult to talk about this because you kind of feel a bit selfish like yeah, I, yeah. I don't have this condition um, poor me like yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. but w- what is it like it's very very important I think to discuss this for someone family members or friends or partners who are close to people who are suffering with anything Yeah, it's difficult yeah it is yeah as I said in the early years I was very ignorant to it and I was only as we grew together I realised oh okay this is a lot bigger yeah we start when you meet someone, you're going to the cinema, you're going for food. And like I said, we couldn't go to normal restaurants or Indians or something. So we went to McDonald's and it'd be just, what would you like? And it'd be the plainest. I was like, don't be afraid. Me thinking, oh, it's a girl. She's not going to eat in front okay, of me. Yeah, yeah. I was like, don't be afraid. Just pick whatever, eat whatever, eat whatever way you eat. Like, I don't care. I'm not going to like, I'm not the person to sit there and judge you. But over time, going to the cinema, do you want popcorn? Do you want, no, I don't want anything. Again, because it was probably a, something of fear or horror to say it because she might be afraid that I'd go leg it. Yeah. Um, because of what she faces on a daily basis. But it is tough. And as I said, I was quite ignorant to it for a good while um, because I didn't fully understand it and I couldn't wrap my head around how can something not allow you to go for a walk. Yes. Like, as again, it comes back to you're not missing a leg, so why can't you just get up and go for a walk? Like, why can't we just go out here or when we go out for nights out? Because we're all our friends are quite close, so her bunch of girls are kind of boyfriends and girlfriends with my bunch, so we, like we all have that close knit um, friends. So we'd be going out for nights out and it'd be 12 o'clock and it'd be like, oh, I need to go home. I'm like, we're only you. Like, yeah. And <clears throat> it would just be like, I don't like that's why like why I don't want to go home um, so it took years to kind of get my head around it to be like okay it's 12 it's 1 I've pushed her now too far I'm going to peel myself out of that situation and it's just came to for me to realise right okay stop being and it was for a good while being selfish to in my eyes to be like well I want to do these things but she physically can't Yeah. and then it'd be like well okay you need to kind of take your head out of your hole now a little bit and pull it back because if you really love her you will realise that these situations are uncomfortable for her so for you to just be like oh well I'm staying out is just pure selfishness so if you're really love this person you're going to be like okay cool the next time we go out look we're going to be out we'll be out for a while don't know what how long we'll be out but don't be going oh he's going home already because this is the situation that we face. Yeah. Um, and then once I kind of got to grips with that, that realizing, okay, we can do things in a different way. You still get them done. Okay. But it's going to be on a different timeline and we'll do them in roundabout ways. It just got that bit easier. And then it just, it's part of life. And you just ex- like, not accept it in a bad way, but you just get on with it and you do the things that you want, as I said, but in a different kind of format yeah. to, just getting up or drinking all night or whatever else you you appreciate the time that bit more and that bit better with friends with lisa you appreciate the short little walk um if you've got one or two hills in you'll love it that bit more you like just appreciate that bit more and then as time goes on if she gets fitter and stronger it just gets better and better for us um as a couple and now as a family so yeah. it, it will continue as she, she's only had the baby kind of four weeks ago. Four, four weeks, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's mad, yeah. So from now, it's going to be building that energy levels and strength and stuff to go and do things now as a family. 
Okay, okay. And what what does that is the the kind of well, first thing I want to say is probably gives you a real shift in perspective when you when you start to realise that because you were a young man and yeah. I mean you said the word selfish there, which in if you look at it one way maybe yeah, but like we're human beings yeah, and I think nowadays when we don't have as much of a sense of community around us now, I'm not sure what your family situation was if you have good support and stuff yeah. like that, but if we don't have we well we don't have as much of a community around us anymore, you you can kind of feel a little bit isolated and then you feel like you have to you have to make a huge personal sacrifice now to help this person out yeah. because you've no one else to help and it's just you. Sometimes it can feel like that. So yeah. it probably does give you a real shift in perspective there, which again was why I think it's so important that we, we all start to understand a lot more about all this type of stuff because it can help ease the burden if we're yeah. all kind of, say, for example, all of your friends or all of your your network back then were very aware of this. Yeah. So were you. it wouldn't have been as difficult definitely um, and you would have been able to offer Lisa a lot more support mm. maybe she wouldn't have felt as anxious and stuff like that yeah. I think ultimately that's what we're trying to get to yeah. because medical advances will happen and surgeries are amazing and all that kind of stuff but realistically what really helps people stay well is your community who's around the people you have around yeah. you um, and that as well it was we were I think we met when I was 19 and okay. she was 18 so you're young like yeah. you're 18 19 years of age and yeah. you have lads around you, your, your group of lads, 18, 19, you want to go out drinking. Of course. You're going to go out dancing, nightclubs, and they would have been massively like, what is, who's Crohn's, what's Crohn's, like yeah, that, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. wouldn't even have, like, wanted to learn, but over time when realised, like, Lisa's not going anywhere, then they begin to learn, and the more you speak about it, and they're like, oh, shit, actually, yeah, maybe we won't push this now as yeah, much. Yeah. Um, but, it, like, when you're so young, you want to be doing what all the lads are doing yeah. you want to be doing what all the girls are doing and because we had such a close bunch we were all going out drinking and dancing yeah, yeah, together yeah. in nightclubs so for somebody to want to do that so bad but physically not able to do it was hard and then it's still to this day like to be situations where we go out and we're a lot older now but you still won't be able to stay out till 12 or 3 or 4 that you would have done when you were younger but yeah of course yeah, I don't want to do that anyway. Yeah, <laughs> um, you do just like it's your couple of hours. You block block it off, and that's it. We're here for this amount of time, I and mean, it's even with family and stuff. We have this window. This is what we're doing. Enjoy the time, and adios. We'll see you in a week or two. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, you you start to structure your life and really appreciate and understand the important things, yeah. and and you don't take it for granted anymore. No, yeah. Whereas people who don't have issues like this I mean, everyone has issues but people who don't have issues like this tend to take a lot of that stuff for granted but in a way that's almost a negative thing because you can kind of just get swept you don't really have a structure to your life then you don't yeah. really appreciate everything that you do have and it's very cliched but having that sense of appreciation and not taking things for granted I mean you're you're doing it on a daily basis <laughs> now yourself and Lisa um, yeah. and you have a beautiful baby now and you're living every moment of that as a result of living with Crohn's disease yeah. and, and Lisa having to, to suffer through this Crohn's disease um, and now I'm not saying everyone should have a disease to learn appreciation yeah, I'm saying no. we can learn yeah. major lessons from people as strong as Lisa and yourself and how you can restructure your life around this what's the outlook for someone like Lisa going forward in terms of she's had surgeries does she need to have more Is wh wh what does it look like in terms of do they expect an increase in energy levels and, and things like that going forwards or how does how does it look going forward because she's still a very young woman she is so for her now um, she was tested before she got the baby and went for scans and stuff because she was getting some pain up high so okay. she, was, she was thinking this might be the small intestine she's quite healthy from head to toe now so touch wood that lasts for a good while. She's on no medication, wow. not at all for Amazing. quite a while. So 
that in itself is, as you said, amazing. So all going well. We're healthy. We're moving in the right direction. Still might have to go in and get a bag of iron and stuff because she doesn't absorb it. Yeah. Um, but for her and herself, getting recovery, getting out for walks, just building energy and strength. Um, we're going to be strength training in a couple of weeks, just little bits, which is never something. She tried it once or twice, but never something, but is even more keen now because we've the baby. Yeah. And even in herself, she just wants to get strength. And as I said, strength then comes back to being able to like have that bit more freedom of picking your child up, pushing the buggy, lifting the shopping. If you fall on the ground, you can push yourself back up. There's yeah. more to it than just someone lifting barbells. This is like for me, and even it comes back to as a coach, there's reasons behind why you pick these dumbbells up or you pick a barbell up. It's not to be standing in front of 20,000 people in front of a show doing a like powerlifting competition. People have different reasons to why they lift weights and that in itself for us as a couple and as a coach is the reason why she's going to be getting into strength training and then push on from there to keep her in goods. You're a pro. I love <laughs> how you bring this back to a real prime elite out there. I love that because, uh, yeah, I, I'm a huge... Now, anecdotally, over the years, I've seen so many incidents where people who were told they would never do A, B, C or D did those things for, for the reasons that you've just explained there. They wanted to live their life. They ignored, in some cases, medical advice or or old school advice or whatever you yeah. want to call it. And they went doing certain things like weightlifting is one example or just things that they knew would promote more ability in their lives to do the things they wanted to do. And all of a sudden, magically, the conditions seem to be held at be bay a little bit yeah. and they feel a little bit better. And it's those little bite-sized bits you mentioned at the start. You do one thing and it just leaves a bit of momentum to the next thing and the next thing. So I'm a huge believer in that. Um, and it, it's like I, I love hearing that she's come through the surgery she's recovered she's had a child she's off the medication she's continuing yeah. she's considering doing strain training for me I'm like go <laughs> get it that, that's, that's what it's yeah. all about yeah. um, and it doesn't matter if, if, if you're not going to go do a weightlifting competition or your goal is to enter mm. the Olympics or anything like that like you are training for life that's yeah, what you're doing exactly. and as, as cliched as that might sound you're training for life yeah. um, so I think that's amazing um, okay so you're you're not just coming on this podcast to talk to, to raise awareness. You're actually you're going to do an event in August. I am. Talk us through that a little bit. So the event that I have planned to do is a run, mountain road run from where we live now, currently in New Ross, finishing in Marley Park, and that's a total of 174 kilometers, oh taking in three and a half thousand meters of elevation gain. Wow. And over um, 5k is ultra endurance <laughs> <to> me. <laughs> That's serious going, man. Yeah, so there's a reason behind it. Again, and it comes back to the fatigue side of things. Judging and seeing Lisa, I always wanted to push myself to a, a, like a feeling or a state of feeling absolute fatigued. I have hit walls in events and stuff before, but I've never kind of pushed myself to a state where like I feel fatigue is just um, like you've no choice but to continue on yeah. and that's something that Crohn's sufferers deal with on a daily basis the fatigue levels they have to some of them have to get up and go to work so they're dealing with this on a daily basis yes I'm doing this for hopefully less than 30 hours it's a short amount of time where these people are dealing with for 60, 70 years wow. of their lives so it's something small on my part that I can the name is Walk a Mile in Her Shoes for this specific reason that I want to walk a mile in her shoes to feel what it might be like when I don't feel like continuing that I take that next step. 
and take that next step after that. Okay, okay. Um, and how can how can we how can people support you? Because it's it, like I love the the sentiment behind that. It, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It really really kind of clicks in my brain. That's a that's a fantastic representation of what these people are going through on a small scale. Yeah, how can people get behind you and support you? So the best way to do it is head over to the www. I donate page forward slash walk a mile in her shoes or okay. walk a mile in my shoes, should I say? Um, and donate the price of a cup of coffee um, or whatever people have available there and um, would really appreciate it because that goes then to that ISCC community and hopefully then towards research and stuff like that as well to try and get some cure and come to the root cause of why people suffer with Crohn's and colitis and everything else. Um, you can also catch uh, the link is in my bio on Instagram as well strive coaching underscore I'll is, put everything up in the yeah the is another well, place yeah. it's just you know at the end of your fingertips um, Instagram how popular it is these days yeah well look as much as we bash it sometimes it's a, it's a very powerful tool for, yeah, for yeah. spreading awareness and for, for, for building a community um, I'm not going to let you go just yet That's just it. I want to ask a couple of questions about if there's people out there now who maybe they have a partner maybe they have a family member maybe they themselves have Crohn's or, or, or some form of is, it, is there somewhere they can reach out to someone they can speak to is there a community they can reach out to is there something they can get involved in um, whatever this might be someone who's very advanced and has been suffered all their life or someone who kind of maybe thinks there's something there and I'm not sure where to mm -hmm. start is there is there a place where people can reach out to find more information and, yeah and so the, the ISCC themselves so it's okay. the Irish Society uh, Colitis and Crohn's um, that would be the number one point to call the girls there, I've been chatting to them since starting this campaign, um, are really helpful, really chatty. And especially for new people, I've had a few new people reach out to me over the social media side of things um, when they've realized what I've been doing, um, saying they've been recently diagnosed, it's quite a shock and stuff like that. I've found, even Lisa now, having it for the last 17 years, that she's only in the last couple of, talking to other people that have Crohn's. Okay. I'm sure there's a lot more than the two or three people that Lisa has talked in the last, now she knows, couple that she's went from uh, the hospital as a kid the whole way through. They've kept in touch, but very few people talk about it. This should not be something that's hidden or you should be afraid to speak about. Reach out, tell your friends, like go on Instagram, look up all the different Crohn's things, like touch base with these people that are all over social media and just get that weight off your chest that like you have Crohn's but again like it's not the end of the world something that Lisa has come the last couple of years um, you can still do things you can still live your life it's just going to be on a different timeline yeah. and that in itself when I even heard that was like it's just a little switch goes off and go oh shit yeah like we can still do all these things if I had heard that at 19 it probably would have been great yeah, 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 <laughs> it would have been a uh, game changing but for people even that are getting diagnosed in their later years again just reach out to people to start at the ISCC them guys will point you in the right direction there's even podcasts now they have a good podcast so learn oh like delve into it don't be afraid to speak about it I found like that is one thing it's I'm not going to talk about that because I'm just going to push that under the carpet there. Yeah. Because I don't know what it's going to feel like, but I'm sure there's some shame to it. But for a female side of things to say, I sit in the toilet 15, 20 times a day is, oh, 
like that's not something you speak about normally. That's what I wanted to ask. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that's probably where a lot of the shame comes from because yeah. it's to do with the gut and the bowel. To go. Yeah, you have diarrhea. Like yeah. everybody goes to the toilet. 100%. It shouldn't be something that you're ashamed of. Yeah. You know, um, just that you do a little bit more often, or like some people have this taboo to- subject that we won't talk about. Women going to the toilet. It's a, a human. Like it's yeah. just a normal bodily function. Um, so just don't be afraid. Yeah, just reach out, chat to people. Um, the more you chat to people, you realize how common it is, um, yeah. and it's just it is a massive weight off their shoulders because you have somebody there that's similar or you're going through the same things you do. Yeah. And for people that have Crohn's, it's very very rare that you will always chat to someone or meet someone that's going through the same things or similar situations, and they can just bond and create, and you can see that switch happen. Yeah. That's like oh. X, Y, and Z is I'm at to touch base and even Lisa, she touched base with a girl that reached out to her having a baby. They were under the same surgeon in Hollis Street. Wow. They were under the same team. She was having a C-section, all this thing, and it was just able to like have that connection with somebody that's down the end of the country or somewhere else, um, which is great for, for that because you can just see the switch in that person when it's you have something to relate where you and I can relate probably on normal things where you and Lisa might sit down now for a chat and you just won't have much to relate um, yeah, with yeah, yeah. because you're just two completely human, different human beings yeah. and how you're made up. So Yeah, it's it's such a powerful message. You delivered it really, really well there as well. It's the, the coaching as a from the podcast. <laughs> uh, you, you, but that, that message is so powerful in because it's, it's almost become rhetoric or cliche now about reach out and talk to somebody. And yeah. again, it's usually in that mental health the mental context. Health side, yeah. But like, there's no separating mental health from health from wellness for me ever, which is why I try and hammer this home. Like mental health is not something different. No, like yeah. Lisa and yourself and me, we're all dealing with our mental health in all of our different ways and we all have different challenges. But reaching out and speaking to somebody, it what you said there is exactly, and it pinged me in the brain then when you said it as well, it just lets you know that you can live your life and you are not the only one going through this. Exactly. Because ex- except for some super ultra rare conditions that maybe 0.001% of the world have, there are other people who are going through, not the same, but similar journeys. Exactly. And you can bond and connect and build uh, trust and understanding. And you can if you try and do this yourself, it's almost impossible with anything, especially something as debilitating as Crohn's disease. Yeah. But I'm just going to echo what you said there. Do reach out, speak to somebody. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed. It's, it's it. This is the same stuff that a lot of people say, but it is really, really powerful. And look, you and and, and your partner Lisa are living proof of that. Now, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, look, I want to wish you the very best. Appreciate it. Um, in the the event, <laughs> I'll uh, maybe I'll come out in the car and yeah. drive beside <laughs> you for a couple of k. <laughs> um, and I'm going to drop all of the information that people might need about everything you discussed in terms of crowns and the USCC and your event and where they can get in touch and contact and all that kind of stuff um, and you will be launching a podcast I will be in the next couple of weeks <laughs> or a couple of months um, so I'm, I'm going to link to that as well obviously when it comes out and people can get in touch and, and follow your journey and your, your actually little plug give a shout out what's, what's the concept of the podcast so again it's kind of ordinary to extraordinary yeah it's um, amazing of just ordinary Joe Sobers that can go and achieve extraordinary things yeah. whether it's having heart surgery and running your first marathon having Crohn's and being able to do X, Y, and Z. So it's just, you don't have to be some sort of superhero or fitness fanatic or freak to achieve these great things. So it's going to be highlighting people's stories that, again, people can come back to it and relate it and realize that you don't have to be some fitness weirdo to do all these weird things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So yeah. 
Amazing. Mark Tobin, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Dan. I really appreciate being able to come on and ah, chat. A pleasure. A pleasure. Thanks, I'll, Mel. I'll see you soon. I'll see you on your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well done, Mark, on giving us a real insight into life with Crohn's disease. And I just want to wish you the very best of luck with Walk a Mile in My Shoes, which, as I said, is happening on the 14th of August. Once again, if you are in a position to be able to support this great cause, you'll find the link you'll need in our bio over on Instagram at Primal Pro, P-O-Y-M-A-L-P-R-O, or in the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you can get all of the info on Mark and the podcast itself on our website over on www.primal.ie forward slash Mark Tobin. Thank you for listening. Good luck. <laughs>